When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and I'm joined by Ben Porkchop Boland. How's it going, Ben? It's going pretty well, man. You've discovered my, uh, I guess, I guess you've, uh, been looking into my my reputation. Yep. <laughs> what? Wait, 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 wait. I, I just came up with pork chop because it was someone at a local racetrack that I used to go to. I thought you might. Uh, I thought oh, you might protest. Oh, oh no, no. In that case, I, I misspoke, and um, <laughs> I was. T- you know what? Let's ah, completely boy. change the subject. You yeah. Know? No. Uh, no. No. It's either pork chop or chops. What do you want? Oh, chops. Chops. Oh, pork chop is fine, but chops is awesome. I, like, I kind of like the ring of pork chop, Ben. Pork chop bowling, but it's it's cool. It's yeah. cool over a loud, maybe like an you know speaker. Yeah. Or something. Oh yeah, in an arena. Like in an arena that. Yeah. Cool. With We're not things. in an arena though, so maybe uh, maybe chops. I can call you chops. Call me chops here mm-hmm. when it's just uh, our listeners and and yeah. the, and the rest of the House Stuff Works family. Well, what was the one you were going to have before? It could be it could be uh, chops and the deuce. Chops and the deuce. That's, <laughs> that's right. It's that's chops a radio the, show. Chops and the deuce here with high speed stuff. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna wait on our listeners to respond to that. And <laughs> before they do, uh, I want to change the subject completely, just for a second. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> I like that though. Uh, okay. So on Thanksgiving, the twenty sixth of November, coming up this year, um, maybe you've heard about this uh, phenomenon of pumpkin chunkin. Maybe a little. Oh, yeah. You guys should see <laughs> no, no. the grin he has right I, now. I'm wearing a pumpkin chunkin shirt right now. I know. It's very strange. Yeah. I was going to. Oh, not really. Not really. I mean, it's not really strange, but. No, and I'm not really wearing a, a shirt. Oh, sure. Whatever. A pumpkin chunkin shirt. It's too late now. Yeah. But it's also, this is also a television show. It's also yep. a series of television shows. Yep. It's, uh, well, there's two of them really on Thanksgiving night. There's, there's the road to pumpkin chunkin at eight and then pumpkin chunkin at nine. So you can watch a full evening of pumpkin chunkin again if you want. On the science channel. On the science channel. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So, yeah. That's it. Now I think we should move into our topic today. You know what? I think, I think you're right. I'm just, I'm feeling this pork chop thing. Man. I, you know, I look like I may have, uh, I've, I've actually taken you by surprise by this. You did. You yeah. did. You made my day. I, you know, 
Honestly, you've kind of foiled it though, because you did have the big pork chop sideburns. For I did, a while. yeah, and uh, that was kind of the origin of it. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, I knew that racer by that name too. Yeah. So this is going to work. Yeah, and then you got a haircut and a shave this weekend. I know, I and know. It's gone. I had to clean up, man. But I still want to call you chops. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll grow some out, man. Okay. But uh, also, I will try to catch you by surprise, and I don't think it's going to work. But <laughs> it's a good question. It's a fundamental question that needs to be asked. For any kind of uh, automobile show, why is the U.S. so reliant on cars, Scott? Well, it's hmm. okay. That's a, a little bit complex. We can get into it. It won't take very long, I promise. But um, we've we've definitely got a, a system set up where we're, we're extremely reliant on cars because we're, we've we've moved out of the cities, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the key to this whole thing. Is that people began to move out of the cities. Around the, uh, I guess around the turn of the century, the 19th century, um, people began to uh, kind of stretch their legs and get out into the farmland, but still work in the city. And uh, they were able to do that because there were forms of public transportation to get to and from, you know, different, uh, maybe a bus depot or maybe it was a, uh, a train depot or maybe it was um, streetcars even that would take them out to mm-hmm. the, the kind of the outer reaches of the city. Um, and of course, the automobile. Uh, so the automobile came prevalent, I guess, in the United States anyways, um, around, right around, right around 1900. I mean, that was about when it was early on, you know, and there are very mm-hmm. few of them there, but, or, or here rather. Um, but for maybe the person, the past 20 years before that, even they were kind of, the idea was kind of spreading and, uh, germinating all over the world. And yeah. eventually everybody kind of caught up and, and became just an efficient, not a very efficient way, but, um, an exciting way to get around. A lot of people bought into it. And also with the emergence of assembly lines mm-hmm. and all the, the mass production, excuse me, the innovations in mass production that happened, mm-hmm. it lowered, I would say it lowered the price point of automobiles to the point where somebody could realistically afford one. Oh, definitely. Hit it right on the head. The, um, uh, the, the Model T is what probably comes to most people's mind. And that's really kind of the, the origin of all of this really is the, the Model T. The Model T, uh, between 1900 and 1915, um, let's just back this up. I don't mean, I mean just the Model T, but just automobiles in general. Okay. From 1900 to 1915, we went from approximately 8,000 cars in the United States to over 2 million cars in the United States. So in 15 years, we, we gained, um, what is that? Boy. 190, well, whatever. More than a million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, 1,992,000 cars were, were, I guess, between those years. So Henry Ford and his Model T in, in 1908, I guess from 1908 to 1927, mm-hmm. um, he built 15, not he himself, but the, the company built yes. 15 million Ford Model Ts within that time frame. So you can imagine what the roads look like at that time. I mean, and that's just, that's just Ford. Yeah. There's other manufacturers doing the same thing. Remember we talked about there were hundreds of, of car manufacturers at this time. Right. Um, literally hundreds. And they only, you know, some of them only, only made a few vehicles, but still you're talking about a lot of competition. Finally, you know, the big three emerged and, you know, here in the United States anyways, and, and they kind of remained as the, the, uh, the main players, but, um, Cars just, the, the popularity just exploded. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you can imagine that, you know, from 1908 to 1927, there was also a lot of, um, a lot of building of roads, a lot of improvement of roads, and a lot of, uh, uh just advancements in that. Yeah, like that the area. interstate system. Yeah, the interstate system, yeah. The, um, and the big move for the interstate system came in, uh, a little bit later, but, um, by the, I'd say by the, let's say the 1920s. Sure. 
Now, even though there's all these vehicles on the road, these model, you know, the Model T was, you know, the, the cost was down, like you had mentioned. It was a, pretty much accessible to everybody, really. Yeah. Um, by the 1920s, most people in the United States in, in the cities were using trolleys or streetcars to get around. And that's still because they were pretty much centralized in these, in the cities. Mm-hmm. And they were able to do that. This public transportation system that we had, believe it or not, I mean, looking at it now, you'd never guess this, but it was, it was actually a pretty elaborate system of mm-hmm. trolleys and, and, uh, and streetcars and even subways that were beginning to, uh, to develop. So, um, there's a lot of transport, you know, public transportation going on that, um, maybe a lot of people don't know about even now because you'd have to look really hard, if at all, to be able to find even traces of these streetcars existing in a lot of cities. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to advance something here because mm-hmm. when you talk about public transportation in cities, you know, that's a, that's a sore point because there are many groups of people who believe that public transportation in urban areas should be non-existent or should be much more elaborate today or believe that there is some sort of active, uh, or there was at some point some sort of active plan to stop it. You know, that, uh, that film that came out years ago, did, who killed the electric trolley mm-hmm. or who killed the electric streetcar? Uh, nope. That was who killed the electric car. Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking uh, about another one? There's, yeah, there's one that alleges that one of the big three purchased, um, Purchased the the municipal uh, electric public transportation system to kill it, um, but you know it doesn't like that's, most of those stories. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, oh, okay. You think it's true? I'm, I'm, I yeah, it's true. Wow, that is the, so, the Great American Streetcar Scandal. I can't believe I've just totally switched sides with the deuce here. This is great. Usually I'm the one. <laughs> no, no, no. I've stuff. read about it. It's uh, it, uh, now again. I've, I've just read about it. This is true. Well, history, you weren't but, there. You're not, no, I wasn't you're a young there. Guy. But, but I mean, there, there's court documents. I mean, we, I, I can get into this real quickly here. Sure, yeah. But there are court documents at the end of this that proved that something was going on, and they were found. They were actually found guilty. Oh, if that if that they proves were anything, well, yeah, that, that gives any, any kind of uh, credibility to it. That does give it a little I, bit. I guess it would. Yeah. I mean, oh. I I haven't personally sought out these uh, these these mm-hmm. um, these terms of this of this settlement, but right. um, I can I can tell you when we get to the end here what what they were fined. Um. You, you want to save it till the end? <laughs> oh, just to the very, I mean, just, I'm talking like a 15 second or 20 second Let's wrap up it. here, but, alright, so in the 1920s, a group called the National City Lines Incorporated were, were formed or organized, uh-huh. and the group was made up of, um, some of the big, um, I guess transportation based players mm-hmm. of the day, of the day. General Motors, Firestone, Standard Oil of California, Phillips Petroleum, and there were others as well. Um, so some of these big corporations were the involved big in this. Yeah, that's right. And the idea was that they would purchase transit companies and they would, here's what, <laughs> this is, this is pretty bad. They would immediately halt the electric rail service when they purchased this company. They'd immediately stop service. They would dismantle the entire system, junk the cars, pull up the tracks and, and all the electric, electricity or electric lines that ran for the tracks and, uh, then replace these, these lines with GM buses. So that's the, that's the rub there. Is that they would replace it with bus transportation, which they were involved in because you know you've got petroleum manufacturing, you know, Firestone, which is a um, a rubber company. Yeah, still is. And um, you got GM, who's making the buses. Of course, mm-hmm. they're interested. And you've got uh, the petroleum companies, you know, Phillips and uh, Standard Oil. Of course, they're interested in it because yeah. they're talking internal combustion engines and you know other lubricants, things like that, right. to keep this thing yeah. going. So, um, anyways, by by the end of this, which 
I don't know when that was exactly. I guess in the late 40s, they had they had purchased 100. I say let's say more than 100 electric streetcar systems. 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 Complete wow. systems. They had, they had purchased in 45 different cities in the United States. So you're talking like New York, Detroit, Philadelphia, Cleveland, L.A., Tulsa, big big cities. Yeah. Um, and then in 1949, in Illinois court, in I think it was Northern Illinois, they um. They actually convicted NCL, which was the uh, National City Lines, of trying to or cons- uh, conspiracy to monopolize the sale of buses, and so they wow. they were convicted of conspiracy uh, of this monopoly, and the fine. Get this: the fine, yeah, five thousand dollars for the corporations and one dollar each for each of the executives involved in this. Oh man, I know. Come slap on. on the wrist. I mean, I know not a even, dollar even, was a lot more back then. Yeah, <laughs> not even a, not even a slap on the wrist, and. I have a photo here to show you, which a lot of people can search out, but take a look at that photo. And that oh, is, um, wow. that is a pile of streetcars. Um, there's yeah. probably 40 of them there, if I had to guess, or 30 yeah, it's or something. A, it's a, a pile of, yeah, a pile of elect, electric streetcars. There's stacked three rows. It's what, three rows high. And it's about, yeah, it's, it's about 12 or 15 per. Per row. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge pack of them and they're, they're, they're stacked up like cordwood or something. Yeah. And, um, oh, they're just left there to decay. And those are the kind that, you know, you, you see in cities now, um, right. like, uh, Louisiana, they run the, the, um, original streetcars yeah. of trolleys in that city and, mm-hmm. and San Francisco. San Francisco's got them. Um, San Francisco's got a lot of really cool, uh, streetcars. I've been on right. those before. Um, but anyways, it's a shame to see something like this. Yeah. And, and that's just one, that's clearly from one city because they're all the same type of streetcar right. here. They're, they're all the, the same, same color, same line, same make. Um, now imagine that 100 times over, um, throughout 45 different cities. So like the passenger pigeon, the streetcar was hunted. <laughs> well, I guess the passenger pigeon is <laughs> extinct. I mean, that's so interesting, Scott. I totally thought you were going to tell me to put my tinfoil hat on. <laughs> no, no, no. In this case, uh, there's photographic evidence and there's court documents mm. that back this up and um, just historical information that says, yeah, it happened. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to really dig into it deeper yeah. and find out exactly what went on there because, you know, there's always another side to it. Yeah, but, that's um, true. But really, that's kind of, I, I believe that is where our reliance comes from is that, you know, that this removal of the, the mass mm-hmm. transportation that, that was available before. And now, you know, we're, we're suddenly reliant on buses. And then, yeah. of course, people said, well, you know, I don't want to take the bus, you know, might, right. as, well, might as well get my own car if it's this cheap. And, mm-hmm. um, and the buses are all closed down anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I've got, you know what, I, I agree with you on that, but I don't want to paint, um, car companies or the former, uh, executives of car companies in a completely bad light. Cause oh, no. I would also advance, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of listeners, uh, internationally outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that's something a lot of, um, people who don't live in the U.S. wonder, you know, why is this country so reliant on cars? Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is definitely part of that, but also, we have to consider just the sheer size of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point, even if we had all that public transportation still around in municipal areas, maybe we would have started to connect things like D.C. and Connecticut mm-hmm. and Boston. You probably have better transit there. But um, some places, you know, like it, it's very difficult to think that we could by this time have a network of high speed rail lines that go across that distance 
just because of, you know, as we said before, there is a cost involved. Yeah, there is. And, you know, the car, the systems that we're talking about, the ones that were dismantled were electric streetcars and trolleys. Yep. They're not really long distance travel type vehicles. I mean, we would have talked, we would have had to have built up a system before this that was a, a high speed rail system or even right. a rail system to begin with where, you know, it could be adapted to, to high speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get on a trolley and ride from San Francisco to New York. Yeah. I mean, not, <laughs> not yet. You're right. It's a, you're right. It's an open car. It's a, it's a long ride. It would be a yeah. slow, long ride. Um, we really, we do have a great highway system yep. and we do owe that to, um, well, we actually, you know, what we owe that to is the, um, the Interstate Highway Act that Eisenhower signed in 1956, the I believe. The father it was. of the Interstate Highway yeah, System. Yeah. And, and what's cool about this is that it gave us, and I actually, I like this, is that we, we were able to build 42,500 miles of interstate in our country based on this act and the, and the amount of uh, government money that was put towards this act. Now, what that did, though, unfortunately, was that took away money from public transportation. In fact, at the same time that was being done, uh, we were spending less than 1% on public transportation at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you can see the uh, the disparity there between public transportation and what it was valued at at that time and what it was, uh, you know, I guess what we valued at that time, which was building the the roads and getting those in line. And and now we spend, um, you know, a lot of money to keep for the upkeep and, and right. repair of those roads and even adding roads. Um, and still, we, we have to still have very little money that goes towards public transportation. Yeah. Um, but I don't get me wrong. I love the highway system. I love my car. I love driving. Yeah. You know that. So, yeah. um, I don't mean to speak ill of anybody in, you know, that. Right. I guess right. That organization, even way back then, uh, it's just, it's just simply what happened. That's all. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just a fact. And even, even more, uh, important in the future is the, the bigger question becomes not so much, why is the U.S. reliant on cars, but will the U.S. be reliant on cars in the future, given the increasing likelihood of instability in um, oil supplies and uh, the fact that developing countries are using more resources? We very well, as a country, may be dragged kicking and screaming into the age of uh, widespread public transportation. Hmm. You think so, huh? Yeah. I don't know. It seems – I. I- the only reason I disagree is because that I see a lot of uh, these upstart companies like Aptera and yep. Fisker and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, but a lot of these little companies that are that are starting to develop vehicles that are very efficient. We've talked about this in the past. Yeah. So I won't go into into details on that. But I, I do see a lot of, uh, you know, I guess burgeoning um, car companies starting to – you know, make, make inroads. They're buying factories that were owned by GM. Uh, Fisker, I believe, bought a, co- co- uh, rather a, a building that was owned by GM for manufacturing. Did and they? they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna manufacture the Fisker in that, in that building now. Man, so you love that uh, Fisker. I actually do. I think it's gonna have a cool <laughs> car. But, um, anyways, I, I see a lot of, uh, the, the individual transportation still happening. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't, Maybe it's just where we are. I just don't see a whole lot of public transportation being built right now. I know that in certain cities you're seeing, you know, monorail systems and, uh, maybe a slight increase, but, um, right now we're not seeing any of the big cross country high speed rail stuff being built. So, uh, I don't know. I'm still iffy. So to sum it up, why is the U.S. so reliant on cars? Uh, one, there is a lot of ground to cover. Two, there was a concerted effort, uh, to make cars more popular in the United States. Sound good? Very good. And so where we are now, I think you know, listener mail. Okay, Scott, do you want to do the honors? I do. 
Yep, I've got a uh, I've got a letter here from Dean. Um, Dean mentions, and he's uh, he's got a correction for us here, which we welcome. We love corrections. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually do. Um, says I'd like to correct you on something that was mentioned in the podcast. I listened to. Well, he says today. Um, he said that there was uh, there were no planes that could hover and go backwards like a helicopter. Oh, yep. After being in the Royal Air Force for 22 years and seeing the Harrier do both, I would question that. In fact, I used to work with the Harrier Squadron and have seen them hover and land in hides in the middle of some of the woods. Uh, in, in the middle of some woods. Oh, yes, it can also stop and bow to the crowd if needed. That's so I've, awesome. That is awesome. And he is exactly right. I forgot mm-hmm. about the capabilities of the Harrier, yep. uh, the Harrier jet, which can, uh, it's a vertical takeoff jet. And uh, it is extremely flexible that way that it can uh, it can hover. And I have seen it bow to the crowd at, at an air show that I went to. You've actually seen it? That's I have. Cool. A long time ago. It's been a long time, but yeah. um, I've seen it happen before. And he's, he's exactly right. So, Dean, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, thank you, you Dean. Know, if you catch us on something like that in the future, anybody, please, mm-hmm. you know, write in. And tell us. We like to, uh, you know, we, we read both sides, good yeah. and bad. We're good sports. Yeah, that's right. We are. Yeah, we we, we try. We're not perfect, but <laughs> no. but we do try. No. Uh, and we love hearing from everybody. I've got one here, Scott. Okay. Uh, John from Tacoma, Washington, what writes in, and he was talking about. Uh, remember how we did the piece on survival kits? I do. Yeah, he uh, he mentioned also road flares and survival kits for anybody, any of our listeners uh, assembling one day. He said uh, they burn for up to an hour at 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Not only can they be used to signal for help, but they can also be used to start a fire. Uh, he helpfully notes uh, you probably shouldn't use them inside the car. <laughs> 3,000 degrees? Does it say 3,000? It does say 3,000 degrees. Wow. Wow, I, didn't, I had no idea that they were that hot. I did not either. Wow. I, you any, know what? Uh, Actually, he really caught me on that. I have, I don't have any uh, road flares. Uh, you know what? I don't think I do either. And 3,000 degrees. I, I just had no idea. That's blowing me away. But that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a good um, idea. Yeah, very good. So um, that's our listener mail for today. A little bit of an attempt to answer uh, some questions about cars and the United States relationship with those wonderful vehicles. And uh, it's probably time for uh, the Deuce and I to hit the road now. So if if you guys uh, enjoyed the episode, please let us know. If you have any suggestions uh, for an upcoming episode, then please send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Forks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.